This is the one with a dinky pinky. A timey whiny. A sleepy weepy. A reachy teachy. And a barn ban. It's called Listen. Here, Here we, we go. Whistle on our epic phrase. All through time and all through space. Whistle being an angel sound. Dalek cyber zoo and wow. Counting Sonic's rating apps. From the poor to the sublime. Eccleston to Whitaker. Let's agree it's about time. Who back when? Reviewing on you who there is. Who back when? Subscribe and rate on iTunes please. Rose and Donna. Amy Pond. Rory Clara. And beyond. Join us on this side see what other choice could there be. But who back when? Who back when? Hello, ladies and gentlemen of Podcast Land, and welcome to an episode of Who Back When, a Doctor Who podcast. Or Doc Past. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Here's my friend who agrees with me. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it nice when we're all on the same page? This one's called N0108. <laughs> yes, technically that is true. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. If we get to a thousand. <laughs> we're, we're saving up. We're saving up. Exactly. Could still happen. It's good to be prepared. Future proofing. Absolutely. Yeah. It's also called listen oh. which is what you will be doing for the next hour and a half to two hours oh that's uh, a bold ho- promise <laughs> all your horses i'm editing this <laughs> you realize that half the audience have turned off their speakers already and headphones out of defiance and spite <laughs> i will not listen to you you won't tell me what to do okay. i'm not prepared to listen to an episode called listen <laughs> well for those of you who are still with us um <laughs> I'd like to take this opportunity to introduce myself. My name is Marie. I'll be your host today. Oh, hello, Marie. Joining me are my fellow co-hosts. Straight opposite me is... That's me. I'm Leon. Hi. There he is. And uh, the one next to him, he's called... Drew Backwen. Yeah, he is. Excellent branding. And that's it. That's all of us today. But are you really sure that's all of us? Could there not be someone else here with us <gasps> whom we have not seen yet? Oh, yeah. my goodness. We could each have a shadow lurking. Well, I mean... Th- that isn't our regular shadow, because we all do have shadows. Uh, I mean, a constant companion. Yes, exactly. Do you feel something on the back of your neck? Yeah, my hair. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, on the back of his incredibly hairy neck. (laughs) No, I'm accompanied, as always, by my invisible friend. Lovely. Mm. We are going to have some serious conversations about this, because uh, I'm not entirely sure. B-Scow first, and then theories, or theories, and then B-Scow? Yeah, B-Scow first, then we get confused. All right, let's do that. Time for us to synopsize, lobify and summarize. So take a view and grab a brief and listen to this overview. This free for all we like to call a bite-sized chunk of who. Bite-sized chunk of who. Traveling around time and space on his own, the Doctor develops an obsession with finding a hypothetical species so incredibly furtive their genetic predisposition to remain unproven apparently proves their existence. Meanwhile, Clara and Pink are finally having their first date, and it's such a disaster that she can't quite get Pink out of her mind when Doc connects her to the TARDIS and whisks her away on another expedition. Cut to Gloucester! The recent past, and the first of two frightened children we're going to encounter in this creepy tale. Namely, a young Rupert Pink, who's haunted by both a creature under his bed and a dreadful first name he can't wait to replace. Miskaoba, you are welcome. Aren't you just... We have to do two things before we get into this episode proper. All right, let's hear it. One is acknowledge this last week's Doctor Who episode. Yeah, we should have started off with this. Holy moly. We oh are, my goodness. We are recording this mere days after Fugitive of 
the Jadoon aired. Oh, oh, Marie is <laughs> covering her ears. Marie, have you not seen it? We haven't, we haven't seen it yet. Oh, good oh, grief, Marie. Goodness. Marie, you have no idea what you've been missing. It's really good. It changes everything. Yeah. Spoilers. No, no, no spoilers. No, no, no. no spoilers. It, it, what it changes is that after a season and a bit, finally it seems like, oh, wow, wait, that was genuinely good Doctor Who. Yeah. I mean, not that it's not been good at intervals, but... <laughs> It was fantastic. It was... Oh, wow. Oh, this is going to really constrain our discussion <laughs> in this episode. Not only does this episode we're reviewing today also take place in Gloucester. <gasps> oh, yeah. But it also... Oh, well, how do I proceed? I mean... We can't have this conversation. We can't. We can't spoil it. This ah. is too good. All right. Drew. Yes. Did you really like it when You Know Who appeared and was like, Hi, I'm You Know Who. I did. I thought, wow, has this episode reached its crescendo? And boy, was I wrong. It was exactly what we needed. It was an injection of you-know-what. I mean, I maintain that maybe one of the companions can't seem to be written for, but... Is it the old guy? <laughs> I'm not saying anything. <laughs> but no, it was, it was brilliant. I know it's Yaz. You hate Yaz, don't you? Yeah, I do. Ah. And, and the doc was fantastic. Do you know what, though? They used Yaz's policing skills. They did. Excellent. Yeah, they, they did. They actually did. Only once and very briefly, but nonetheless, it was there. Oh, wait, Drew, Drew, I forgot. I've already asked you about when You Know Who appears, but yeah. what about when You Know Who appears in it? I don't know which way you're going with this. Uh, well, Forward in the episode one? or backwards? Forward. Oh, that's what I was referring to when oh, right. my, my crescendo was misplaced, yeah. <laughs> Marie, you have got to get caught up with this. Oh my goodness. I mean, this is going to mean very little know, to podcast Do you now, know why, though? It's because we're three episodes behind, because three episodes ago, you guys three were like, episodes oh, behind. it's terrible, don't watch it, this is the wait, worst episode ever. Wait, 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 which one was three episodes ago? Orphan 55. Yeah, that was a dumpster fire. Yeah, and so every time I sat down to watch it, I was like, oh god, I can't bother <laughs> to watch a terrible, terrible episode. And then, It wasn't a terrible episode, it just wasn't a good episode. And now we're three behind. Oh, you're so easily influenced, don't listen to us, be your own person. Um, yeah, exactly. Isn't that what you were saying? with me and my scores. Were they? Yeah. Oh. What did I say, Drew? Remind you basically me. said, Drew, you're a spineless worm who buckles to peer pressure every time <laughs> someone rates something lower than you. Uh-huh. Anyway, okay, so we can't go any further with that, but we can do the second item of business. Namely, Nicholas Parsons uh, left us just a couple of days ago. A man who hosted just a minute since 1967, I think. Indeed. My goodness, a legendary entertainer, such an incredible chap, a man whom we have tried to honour in some way on this podcast before. Yeah, my impressions were always homages rather Mm. than takedowns. I love Nicholas Parsons. Let's just pour one out. Actually, let's not do that because we've got carpet here. But (laughs) (laughs) were it not for the carpet, we would all be pouring one out for Nicholas Parsons. Yeah, R.I.P. Good innings, old sponge. We should do a Just a Who Back winning minute. I'm always up for more Just a Who Back winning minutes. Cool. It's settled. Done. That's legally binding, Drew. Okay. On that very sad note, let's get back to this episode, shall we? Theories. Who would like to start us off with a question? Because there's one massive question just sort of staring us in the face. Tell us, because we're only going to get it wrong. Were there any creatures? Did they exist? No. No, they didn't. Or, yes... Or yes. Categorically, no. Or, but, but there's the thing that like flashes out of existence in the orphanage. Yeah, in the, in the orphanage, there's a thing that sits on the bed that is visibly under yeah. the sheet. Yeah. And then it takes, the sheet falls off it and it's very clearly not a human exactly, child. Exactly, exactly. It's that an lo- alien. That looks mega alien, but yeah. it is also very blurry. So it, maybe it's just a... a weird headed Maybe child? it's just a kid who hasn't been in the sun ever. That is it. 
Because it looked like a grey. Like it looked like your run of the mill grey alien. His head right? was too big. It wasn't a child sized head. It was like a little ET alien. Well, I think there is a credited actor who appeared. I really hope he was in makeup and I've not just I'm, mortally offended yeah, him. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've, I found this chap as well. He's wait, in the on. credits as figure. Figure, yes. Mm. I, I don't want you to see my rating. Wait, wait, wait. I swear he doesn't look like a little child. It looks like an alien. Yeah. yeah. Come on, Leon. What was his name? His name is Kiran Shah. Right. And he is in the Guinness Book of World Records. Goodness. Really? What for? He is a Guinness World Record holder as the shortest professional stuntman currently working in film. Oh, right. Oh, uh, that's really cool. And he has been in a ton of things that we will have seen, including the last two Star Wars movies. He's the mechanic in the last one. Okay. Can't remember the name of the character. You know, the little chap who like sits on C-3PO's shoulder and dismantles. Mm. Yeah. Uh, have you seen it? No. Yeah. Did I just spoil a view? Oh, fuck it. You know what? It's a piece of <laughs> shit, Drew. Don't I don't watch know it. if that's the biggest spoiler. <laughs> and also, it's not a piece of shit. It's a great It's, great it's in film. the Guinness watch Book it. of Records as the smallest spoiler, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> He's a mostly a creature actor, I think. Okay, so you think he might be a creature here, but they say two or three times in this episode, often enough, I think, for it to be fairly definitive, that could just be one of his friends playing a trick on him. But yep. because they, That's true. none of them turn around, so none of them see it, it's very creepy, the object in the blanket yeah and they don't know they're trying to convince themselves that it's not an alien yeah also if it's a child it's not laughing to itself yeah you know what it could be any number of creepy people because this orphanage is like it has some seriously lacking security anyone can creep into this place Mm. yeah we don't know maybe it's just a blanket thief yeah exactly they were cold so they they hatched this scheme to steal Rupert Pink's blanket. That's very clever. Why is it, why does it... Okay, well, let's say it's not one of these companion creature thingies. How does it appear underneath the duvet? Like, no one enters the room. They would have seen someone enter the room. Yeah. Uh, Rupert Pink thinks he's a lot more observant than he actually is. Okay, why does it disappear in a flash and an explosion? Is there an explosion? Isn't it just like a bang? And there's there's definitely a flash on screen and it disappears. Oh, I think that's a trick of the camera and the door slams. Yeah. Okay. I think it just ran out very quickly. There are some lens flares when it first appears, so maybe the flash was also just a lens flare. But mm. it... Okay. All right. Okay. 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 Wait. 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 All right. Wait. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I, I have another question, which ties into this a little bit. Bring it on. So they seem to allude... Well, I mean, the doctor clearly says everyone has had the same nightmare. Mm. Yes. Okay. First off, have you guys ever had that dream... That is not the dream that everyone shares. What is the dream that everyone shares, well, Either you, you go to school or to work and you realise that you didn't put on trousers. And Claudia Schiffer is there and she's like, no, no, don't worry, this isn't weird. And then halfway through the lesson, everyone else is called away for PE and Claudia and you are left there in the room all alone. You're like, well, I, I mean, that's, trousers. that's one of my other potential dreams that I wrote down. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, no, you're mid-bone, and then you realize, oh, I was going to get into something there. But yeah, yeah. Oh, so, really? I mean, there's You're th- going to get into Claudia Schiffer there. <laughs> oh, wait, I had two. You're getting frisky with, and you're mid-bone. <laughs> I, I started two wet dreams and didn't finish them. Uh, <laughs> oh, wow, that, that seems telling. That's, that's so, I was just going to say, that's so sad. Um, no, seriously, stop overtelling. <laughs> but that's, that seems like a weird dream to claim that everyone has. It's a weird... Yeah, because I like it when they're saying, like, oh, it's found throughout history and all these famous writers have, have had this dream. That's one thing. But then to claim everybody has it seems a bit of a stretch. It yeah. seems a bit tendentious, doesn't it? It does. Does Clara ever say that she's had that dream? 
Yeah, because that's where they're aiming for when they get to Danny Pink's orphanage. But she doesn't actually say that she's had it. She exactly. sort of says, uh, well, I sort of had something like it and I'll go along with you just for the sake of hearing. I think we only go. have confirmation of two people having had that dream and that's Doctor and Pink and they have actually had it and it's always freaking Clara. But that's the thing is that she doesn't say, oh yeah, I remember it. She's like, oh, I probably have, hasn't everyone? Like you don't remember most dreams. Like, every, you know, you dream every night and I don't remember 99% of my dreams. There's only a handful that stand out, but it doesn't mean you haven't had it. You have 99, <laughs> wait, hang on, 99 dreams and this one ain't what, oh, you know what, fuck <laughs> it, you know what I'm getting at. <laughs> Sorry, I cut you off there, I apologise. Oh no, yeah, but yeah, just because you don't remember it clearly, like she remembers that vague feeling of there being something under the bed. And that's a, that's a common thing that all kids can think there's a monster under the bed. That is true. Yeah. Yeah, but it doesn't reach out and grab your ankle from behind. Well, it might do for a lot of people, and the other people might not remember that dream. I mean, admittedly, we are only a sample size of three, but it's over three in this room. Clara didn't have it. I get that Rupert Pink says he had it. And because okay, he I did. Explain that. I think Clara he did. did have it, because why would she let the doc try and take her to this point that doesn't exist? Like Wh- the Wait, I take it back. Pink hasn't had it. Not that we're aware of. Oh! Whoever touches his foot. Yeah, but that's what, what he was awake. I thought Clara said, have you had a dream about this? And he... Yeah, he yeah. he says yes, but we never get to see it. So that's yeah. not a Clara touching yeah, his no, foot Clara thing. Yeah, no, Clara didn't do that. Because mm. it's the freaking aliens. Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like there might be... Oh. Dude, I hate to be a sceptic, but those aliens don't exist. Yeah. The thing is, I think you're right. I, and I think that's one of the lovely things about this episode, because it could work on either I level. I think that's it. They've purposefully... It's such a big question to ask, and it's such a like primal fear. Every Like, every kid thinks yeah. there's a monster in the cupboard or under the bed or somewhere. Yeah. And so to just say without with absolute certainty oh no you're all mistaken and this is a classic moth again yeah that thing that applies to all of us oh you know what it's true that fear that thing that you see all the time they haven't said it's true it is left like it could be either way yeah no sorry you are right about that yeah yeah it's it's funny that you guys think that thing we've got no proof for then everybody is vaguely aware of it as a concept yeah that's probably true and i'm like it's definitely not But that other thing that we've got no proof for is a vague concept that everyone's aware of. Also, that one's fine. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I like that there are there are at least two things in this episode that where, where you have the future influencing the past, which then in turn influences the future, and the hand around the ankle is one of them. The, yeah. the Doctor only gets on this whole thing because Clara is gets handsy with Baby Doc, and. Yeah. And then he extrapolates from that and he that generalizes and he goes looking for the evidence and he finds it where it isn't quite. And if he hadn't done that, she would never have touched his mm. ankle in the first place. And yeah. the other thing is uh, he whisp- he he has that absolutely wonderful scene with Pinky, with Kid Pink, uh, with the oh, fear is, you, you know, it's a yeah. superpower. Yeah. She then whispers it to Doc, that leads to Doc telling Pinky, etc., etc. et, cetera, yeah. et cetera. Such a good scene, by I the really way. I really like that. He's really good at talking yeah. Pinky off the ledge. Yes, yeah. But that's a, that's such a hard thing when he makes them all look away and stand with your back to this monster and, and close your this eyes. This child under a blanket. Well, no, yeah. I thought that was terrifying, though. I, me too. Oh, uh, it that really, really was. That got was very, me. It was yeah. really good. And then it gets up and it walks and it stands right behind Clara. I was like, oh my God, what's it going to do? Why like, isn't it going to say something? So Why does tense. it do something? Yeah. If it's a kid, wouldn't it just run away with the blanket? You're right, it, drew, it would. It would be giggling by now if it was a six-year-old child. Like they don't stay that creepy. For I mean, that this long. is one seriously damaged kid. Yeah, absolutely. If that is a kid living in this orphanage, you know what it that is. Kid grew up to be a serial killer. It's a little person stuntman 
pretending to be a kid. <laughs> Way to break the magic, Drew. Yeah. Yeah, but it's not. Because, and Wait. that's how he can hold himself together. Uh, Drew, explain <laughs> to me why in Gloucester, in the whenever this is meant to be in the mid nineties, mid nineties, why would a stuntman be living in this orphanage? Yeah, Drew, yeah. <laughs> explain because that one. During the mid nineties, we the, got him, Marie. Bri- <laughs> the British film scene went through a bit of a trough. I mean, working title were just putting out you know lush romantic period dramas and where is the call for stuntmen in those it's all four weddings and a funeral and merchant ivory and stuff and this poor guy he was out of work so he thought i know i can get a some cheap, cheap accommodation this yeah, dude free has ride been- on an orphanage for a few months <laughs> this dude has been working in new zealand and in the states he's fine i'm not saying it's actually this man he's representing a very close friend yet he he actually chipped in with this as part of the script he's like moffat i've got i've got this this answer to the thing you're missing. And Moffat's like, fantastic. It's like divine providence put you here. Wait, no, it isn't. <laughs> My question. Don't think you won this. <laughs> no. <laughs> Definitely reaching that, dude. Um, when they arrive it's in the Gloucester. It's the journey, it's not the destination. <laughs> they arrive in Gloucester and Clara's like, uh, dude, I've never lived in an orphanage and I've never been to Gloucester before. Why the heck do they still go in the building? Because the doctor is wonderful in this one. <laughs> he cannot take anything she says seriously. Yeah. He's constantly berating her, yeah. like belittling her appearance. And it, it's hilarious. I know, I love it. Yeah. Also, You've he- already taken off your makeup. <laughs> oh, you probably just missed a bit. Oh, I love that line. That was great. He is sort of absent-minded, but he is also discounting all the disconfirming evidence. We are just breaking down. Also, now that you have all these other things, it's because her head's so wide. She's, she's she all eyes. Three, she, she has three mirrors. Yeah. yeah can't, you just, can't you just turn your head? Get those under control. <laughs> your face, it's all eyes. That's so good. He is great in this one. Sorry, Drew, you were saying? I was saying that he, he can't hear the disconfirming evidence. It doesn't fit with... His obsession. It's yeah, the his right obsession. time zone. Gloucester <laughs> yeah. by the ozone and the drains. <laughs> yeah, too many things linked together for this not to be the mi- the missing link. Mm. Yeah. I like the yeah. little gizmo that gets her there when she puts her hands in the TARDIS. Oh, yeah, there were oh, telepathic circuits. Yeah. Telepathic fingering, yeah. yeah. Mm. Mm. Hello. <laughs> yeah, she reaches deep. She d- <laughs> the TARDIS doesn't want to let her go at the end of it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So close, so close, don't stop. Oh, okay, fine. Oh. <laughs> but actually, one thing annoyed me about the don't turn around scene. Mm. The doctor, being on the hunt, has finally found his quarry. The whole episode to that point has been building up to him whipping the blanket off the top and being like, so that's who you are. Yeah. And suddenly, he will not turn around to face it. I have a theory about it. Oh, Go on then. Oh, sorry, Marie, you seem no, like you might have one as well. It doesn't ask him any questions. Like normally at this point when we've come up with a monster or an alien, yeah. he'll try and engage and talk to them and try and understand why what brought you here? Are you lost? Are you like who are you? It doesn't try to engage the monster, does he? It's just like let's all ignore you until you disappear. That is true, but there's a kid in the room. And yeah. in in the future, end of time, we have uh, genuinely thought his name was awesome. <laughs> awesome <thing. laughs> and then when we saw the tv things like oh awesome i get it okay awesome thing. Yeah. um when i'm just gonna call him awesome when awesome is there awesome is inside the tardis mm. clara is outside of the tardis 
he immediately like shoes her into the TARDIS because he wants to face it alone because it might be insanely dangerous. Yeah. In fact, it turns out to be crazy dangerous to open the door because he almost is like, he almost dies there. Yeah. But in the orphanage, there's a kid in the room. There is no way out if it is an actual alien and it is as scary as he at least fears that it might be. Why does he think it will be that scary? Yeah, this is something that is genetically perfect for hiding. If he unhides it, if he reveals it, surely it's just going to blend in some other way and retreat. It's not going to attack. These things don't attack. When have they ever attacked? He's not evolved to be the perfect hunter. He's evolved to be the perfect hider. Why is he suddenly scared of being smited by this creature? But that's another thing that is wonderfully mad about this quest that he is on. He says that they have developed, as a species, they've developed to hide perfectly. But the first thing that this thing does when he formulates this hypothesis is reveal itself yeah. by stealing the the chalk and writing listen like why would it write listen does and it i think that's the doctor clara said you probably did that and forgot yes exactly absolutely let's see his subconscious working yes absolutely okay. so then if we cut to the orphanage let's say by the same logic that is guiding his obsession yeah so he said so the point that he's read listen on the chalkboard he thinks that they're reaching out to him to try and be understood but i don't know so, if, if it is that because later on he says they only reveal themselves to the ones who won't believe who won't be believed uh, like children, children and old, old people, people and mad people madman in a box the fact that clara said that it won't reveal itself it seems almost like there's something sinister to these creatures because why else would they like why would it scare the kids and then disappear right let's let's hypothesize from the doctor's point of view there is an alien under the duvet right yeah. so why why is it there why did it sit down on the bed the second clara says there's no one else here there's nothing no creature in this room vom mm. scariest, oh, that was so scariest scene in the scary. entire episode yeah, yeah. How cool is Clara, by the way? How cool is she in that scene? She is awesome. Ice cold. Although at that point, I was I was fully expecting it to be the doctor sat on the bed just trying to scare them. Yeah. Ha, ha, I got ah. you. <laughs> that would have been good. I yeah. thought that too. And then when you when she gets out from under the bed, which I don't think I would have been brave enough to do, I would have just sat there until it disappeared. Yeah, at least if you're under the bed, then it has to attack from one side and you can scoot out the other side. Yeah, but yeah, as soon as she gets out and sees it, then you know it's not the Doctor and then it's even more creepy. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's but very anyway, good. The, um, I'm sure there was a point there somewhere. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> well, I mean, the monster... I've forgotten what I was saying. The monster is just bloody-minded and perverse and cruel, isn't it, really? But, the, but right, Exactly. But I didn't there is get, a cruelty to I it. I didn't think any of that because when they, they were talking... He was talking right at the beginning in that really weird intro, which... Is, which just it felt like he was going to be like suddenly a professor of evolution and oh he goes from being a buddha on top of the yeah, tardis to yeah. suddenly evolutions on the chalkboard in like five exactly. seconds yeah. and, then, and he starts writing out his like point one two three and his his examples of all the perfect hunter is a cheater the perfect yeah, yeah he's, like, he's got binoculars with uh, national geographic yeah, at the other yeah. end of it he's like, <laughs> <laughs> focusing in on nat geo he's like but by this <laughs> Like, by this scale, the perfect hydra is like a chameleon or something. It doesn't have yes, to be... exactly. <laughs> like, you know, your examples you've given us are not like killing machines. <laughs> this is... Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Wait, wait. I've got to find my note because... It, we should it's... so sell stock footage binoculars <laughs> on Amazon. Mm. Definitely. Just program a few different films in. Like, like you're looking across Paris or at a cheetah's. Mm. 
Yeah. I bet they exist. Ah, oh. yeah. Well, I don't think they do. I think no. we found a well, gap in the market. Let's make millions then. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> here first. <laughs> We've audio patented this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Who wants to submit the first order? I'm not sure. Oh, yeah, counts. right. So, why is there no such thing as perfect hiding, but using the same scale of perfection yeah. as applied to hunting and self-defense? There is exactly. Like all you have to do is like cover yourselves in leaves, and you have accomplished the same level of hiding as the cheetah has yeah. in hunting. And like, if you look in the oceans there are like seahorses that can perfectly disguise or octopuses that yes. change color exactly. yeah, yeah. and match in with the coral things like that like yeah. the, it, it exists already yeah, how yeah. have how have you seen that you've seen it via camera footage so they can't be chameleoning themselves particularly well but i've also <laughs> seen i've also seen antelope <laughs> escape the grasps of a exactly. cheetah yeah, like so it's not, not the perfect yeah. have they got lucky <laughs> <laughs> lucky but anyway, anyway going, <laughs> going through this evolutionary line, uh-huh. in my mind, the perfect hider is not malicious. It's a, it's a, it's a skill that is developed to avoid being eaten. And therefore, why would it be a scary, terrifying monster that's trying to creep you out? Exactly. It it's be, prey, not predator. Exactly. Yeah. It doesn't have... Well, you yeah. see, the doctor in doing this has jumped from the relative sphere to the absolute. Mm. Uh huh. I don't know if Nick would call this a category error. Perhaps I've made a meta category error. <laughs> in... I think you just did. <laughs> well, let me coin that for myself. It's definitely some kind of error, anyway. Yeah. But yeah. So his his logic is all out, and the and that opening scene is so weird. It yeah. I don't really know what. It's not meant to hang together particularly well. No. What the do doctor, you mean? The doctor Wait, is supposed. The doctor is supposed to be wrong. He's supposed to be blinded by his experience mm. and the terror he experienced as a child, clouding his judgment. And possibly the fact that he has... Well, I mean, p- potentially he spent an incredible amount of time on his own, just travelling around and obsessing. See, that's the thing. That's it's not kind of very hint, clear either. But it's hinted at. It's, like, he seems almost... No, I was going to say he seems unaccustomed to people anymore, but he isn't. He, However, he has spent enough time to run out of activities and just deep dive into madness. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. He is now one of the mad. He's not the child he's not the old and senile but he is that mad third category in the middle yeah Yeah. okay if doc is just mad and these things don't exist then what is danny pink senior awesome pink awesome pink awesome Awesome pink Pink. what is he so afraid (laughs) of on the last planet in the universe the cooling hole yeah it can't just be that he's terrified doc gives like 50 different explanations for what it might be but it's just noises like you wouldn't be that scared of just noises you'd just get used to it over six i don't think you would i think every night it would escalate rather than diminish but yeah. why but Plus why he's would you in like a some sort of spaceship it looks yeah, like a space station we've seen how mad the doctor gets when he's alone for a long time danny pink is alone potentially for the rest of the universe and is point. not accustomed to that degree of technology and, and alienness he, he is thought he was going to next week exactly oh, oh, he, has, oh, no. he has no idea what happened poor awesome pink. yeah but wouldn't you open the door once wouldn't you open it to see what was out there yeah, Ra- was rather than scrawl on the wall do not open this door because all the air flies out no. well that's a different matter then that should be there should be an actual warning sign saying do not open this door because he's, you'll he's, die he's so, worried about sleepwalking but he's very assiduous in reading the instructions <laughs> before he'll sleep open a door okay. in the parting of the ways good old Eccleston the TARDIS I'm pretty sure this is the parting of the ways the TARDIS has its own shield and Eccleston and Rose Eccleston the Doctor and Rose they are within the shield is Captain Jack there? Possibly. Okay. And Daleks are firing lasers and the lasers can't penetrate the shield so he just stands there arms crossed and like 
Fuck you, Daleks. I remember I that. Yes. Why not just stand within the shield, yeah. open the doors, and see what happens? Yeah, true. Yeah, because I thought that. The TARDIS does have... Yeah. This is why Amy Pond was floating out in space and could still breathe, because there's a TARDIS. That's why the exactly. Doctor has a Buddha on top of the yeah, TARDIS. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. in episode we've done it. Why mm. can't he do it there? Why not put the TARDIS outside of the spaceship? You don't need to open the doors. You could do anything. Just look outside. Yeah. There are like a million yeah. different ways yeah. to solve this conundrum, Doc. Mm. It's almost <laughs> like he didn't want to know. Yeah, it's almost like he was prepared to die just to solve the mystery. Mm. Just for the ambience of this episode. Totally worth it, by the way, Doc. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> this is a mystery that has consumed him for as long as he can remember. This is a thousand, twelve hundred years plus by yeah. this point. It's gonna gnaw at you. Yeah. He's seen the entire universe and he hasn't figured out this one thing. I mean, he could definitely sacrifice himself to it. That's a segue to another question, I think. This is the end of the universe. This is the end of time. Yeah. Have we not been here at least twice before? Yeah. Or well, Sorry, we've been here once before and we will return here at least once again. Yes. It, the, the, me has a That's very nice setup. Yeah. As I remember, a nice warm wood-burning fire. Yeah. Maybe it's me she's trying to get in. She's like, guys, we don't have to do this on our own. There's two yeah. of us now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Please, I've been here forever. Come talk to me. I regret all that shit I did. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't remember her name. In my notes, she's she or her or whatever. (laughs) I think me is her preferred pronoun, actually. (laughs) (laughs) But we've also been to the end of the universe with Derek Jacobi and the Toctophane. And wherever Utopia end up flying to, the rocket. So I saw that on the IMDb trivia page. They mentioned that. But surely that can't have been the end of time because the Toctophane, I mean, that happens later. You know, mankind escapes from there they escape the new humans i assume that for it to hang together the, the toclophane or, or the utopia rocket has to fly off from the planet they're on to the utopia which is this planet it has to be this planet because it's the it last exists. planet and that's where they get converted into the toclophane yeah right so there should be a whole toclophane factory just all around outside wherever yeah all right but yes just like <laughs> clonking, just clonking against the door on the outside. <laughs> uh, I don't have hands. Clonk, clonk. <laughs> yeah. I'm a head and a ball. <laughs> they have gone to this well too many times. <laughs> Playing football. In Why did place. they go here? Because they did not need to at all. It didn't mm. need to be the very end of the universe. Awesome Pink could have come within a hundred thousand years of it, and it would still have had all of its narrative structure and emotional punch. Yeah, is he being metaphorical, maybe? Is the Doctor not being literal when he says this is the last planet? Oh, I see, because if you if you can get like, away without taking everything literally, you can basically write anything you like. Well, if he's, I mean, it can't be the very last moment of everything, because then it would be like, oh, cut to, mm, done. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not the very last, it is definitely at least however long they spend there, let's say half an hour they spend there in total, or like a couple of hours maybe they spend on this planet, it's at least a couple of hours and a bit away from the very end, right? Because it's still there when they leave. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't feel like it's about to implode or anything either. Exactly. It's, just... it's a whole planet. Yeah. It's like a whole planet. Yeah. yeah. Or be either big crunched or eaten alive by some inverted mm. mass stretching. I don't know how the universe ends. <laughs> Nor I. Oh, who knows? <laughs> Oh, did you see the pictures of the sun this week, by the way? No. They've taken really high-res pictures of the sun, and it's like crazy paving. It's incredible. It's like made up of little plates the size of France, and it just spits out super hot stuff, millions of degrees hot into the air, and around it, there's all these 
there's all these borders. It's really something. It's really not what you expect to see mm-hmm. with a picture of the sun. There you go. There you go. That's the sun. <laughs> just a bunch of gold nuggets. Oh, that looks very cool. Yeah, Podcast Land, for your information, I just Googled the sun. That is not what I expected <laughs> to see. So how can we work that into our next audiobook? Okay, one thing at a time, dude. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> Write it down in bold. Marie, did you want to say something about Clara? Mm. Oh, well, I don't know. <sighs> Clara. Oh, you forgot Clara was even in this episode. I didn't even notice, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why don't... Let's talk about Clara and Danny. Okay. Why do people like Clara and Danny? I, I have think against them. Let's... Okay, because now Clara mm-hmm. and Danny have been set up for, like... Like, they have a proper story from from even before they've met to then she knows that they're going to have great-grandchildren. So I don't think that's true. What? I don't think that's true either. What? No. In my notes, and this is before I realised his name was Orson, Colonel Awesome Pink is her great-grandson, but didn't Danny die long before either of them could have procreated? And is this confirmation of the... Oh, shit, I can't say this because you haven't seen the episode of oh, New Who. no. To leave the room. You can't do spoilers. People listening at home might not have watched the latest one either. Okay, well, fine. I'll read out what of Leon's note I can. Is this confirmation of the ahem hinted at in the recent dumpster fire <laughs> that was Orphan 55? <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't feel that this is a real... I mean, it's not a spoiler about the episode itself, but it's a... Sp- hang on. I'll ask you a question about the ideology behind time travel within the Hooniverse. Okay. okay. And I'll, I'll, I'll try not to make any... Re- in fact, I'll make zero references to the, the plot of Orphan 55. You'll, you'll, Thank you. You'll watch it and you'll probably agree that it's a bit of a dumpster fire. We'll talk but about it next week. <laughs> that sounds good. Yeah. So... Danny Pink definitely dies. Okay. He dies, he's then turned into a Cyberman, he flies into the sun, right, yeah. with all the other Cybermen. Clara also, at that point, like, she carries on solo with the Doc, and then she dies in Face the Raven, right? She's definitely not pregnant before she dies. Exactly. Like, she doesn't have time, she doesn't have kids who grow up, hear stories from her and her partner yeah she is biologically locked in face the raven she if she has one more heartbeat she dies she's uh, not gonna pop a sprog out no, exactly not, so yeah. now referring to the the ideology behind doctor who or of the, within within t- oh, of time travel here the, there's the concept of the fixed points in time yeah right genuine question is the potential future of Danny Pink and Clara an unfixed point in time yeah. and could that therefore mean that given the the occurrences in Face the Raven awesome pink never comes to be and this episode never happens oh well i like that theory i would say yes however isn't there something about once you know the future then it becomes fixed so what so so she dies but she also has great grandchildren after she dies doesn't make it doesn't make exactly. any sense also you've totally run out of this delicious cherry liqueur you should have some uh, by the way d- uh, doctor in waiting uh, daniel if you're listening thank you so much for the wonderful cherry liqueur thank you so much it's so it's crazy delicious. thank you so much Sorry, i didn't mean to cut you off there but i did notice that your glass is empty oh, well, thank yeah. you. and there is more delicious cherry liqueur yeah it's fantastic for your degustation Sorry, so you were saying what? So because she knows that it's going to happen, it, it will have happened. But is that is that a thing? If I misremembered that, I think you're right. They've they've made reference to that in the past. Like that's why you don't want to cross paths with your future self because once you. But then I guess it like this is already part of her timeline at this yeah. point, and by changing it, she's yeah. But then I mean, but then I guess it's things that you're in control of. So if you know that that's where you die, then you'd make different choices so that that wouldn't be. I don't know. 
But yeah, I don't, mm. I don't know. Drew, what do you think? Well, I think that this is another way in which Capaldi is in error because he attributes a potential parentage lineage from Clara down to Awesome Pink. But that's because he still hasn't got it into his head that they didn't go to Clara's past in going to the orphanage. They went to Danny's past. Mm. I think that Awesome is... But, but by that by that logic, he should have been a descendant of Danny, not necessarily Clara. Yeah. But as you say, he does go ahead and die, which also makes that impossible. Yeah, I, I, I mean, he's played by the same actor who plays Danny Pink. He is clearly Danny Pink's great grandson, or whatever. Yeah. Those two are definitely related. And actually, he never links to Clara because at this point, there are a lot of photographs of Clara. If Clara was your great great grandmother and she was a time traveler you would recognize her instantly yeah i mean but her, so her, he previous, her previous that. family of children managed to find her on the internet throughout history exactly. that, that's she's true. everywhere yeah. that's true but that was also shit so <laughs> <laughs> but, but like, i would you know i wouldn't expect to look, know what my great grandmother looks like because they weren't photographs tr- back then you know what, that's tr- from now onwards it would be super easy to trace back that that's a super fair point but awesome pink also says Time travel runs in the family. My great grandmother was a time traveler. Yeah, but he never specifically says it's, it's, it's her. Yeah, but who? Just, which other time traveler? He, he was just there's he a lot was of inference. A, but he that was you're a pi- making an assumption. And but he was one of the pioneers of time travel. There weren't any time travelers that many generations before him. Unless a future time traveler jumped back in time and then gave birth to him. Uh, to his great, to his grandparents. Yeah, that suddenly got really... As soon as you introduce time travel, (laughs) then it doesn't have to be linear anymore. Yeah, then Marty McFly can go ahead and do all sorts of things. Exactly. Yeah, Yeah, if he wanted to. (laughs) Does he say my great-grandmother... He wants to. Does he say my great-grandmother was a time traveler? Specifically great-grandmother. He says it runs in the family, my grandparents or great grandparents like he could exactly so that could be yeah. Danny because be Danny, Danny gets to fly in the TARDIS at but some point but Danny also dies well, yeah. Danny dies before then Danny yeah. is but a dyer ah, and, and he ooh. gives Clara the toy soldier which makes me feel like he knows that she is his or at least he believes that she is his relative sorry go for it sorry 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 I'm sorry I fixed it because <laughs> it's not Clara it is Danny he's talking about it's his grand- great grandparent was a time traveller and therefore, because if Clara had met him, then this time stream would have been fi- become fixed because she's seen her future. Oh! But Danny hasn't met him. So, yeah, in the future, he doesn't exist. Wait, explain that again. Wait, so if... So Dan- the, if what? So the idea that if you... Once you see your future, then it becomes fixed and it can't be changed. But it's not Clara's future that she's seeing. Because she's not his grandparent, uh, great-grandparent. It's Danny that is his great-grandparent. At this point. But does that also then mean, is that confirmation of it? So because Danny hasn't met Awesome, it isn't fixed. It isn't and therefore fixed. Awesome will actually never be born. Yes. Who is to Which say... Which means this episode, in a way, never happens. <laughs> no, wait, wait. Who is to say that Danny hasn't already had one or two kids? That's true. We don't know his history between then and now. And yeah, because there's just rumours that is. Father, great grandma was a time traveler. Nothing concrete. He might not have even known who it was. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> when he was on his army base camp. I was just thinking, yeah, like, full yeah. metal jacket. <laughs> he's, like, he's been in the shit for a while. He goes to. No, no. I, you know what? I'm not going to go down that road. Anyway. <laughs> but yeah, he's a reasonable age. He could have easily fathered a child and, and even not known about him. Well, that I don't believe can be the case because it seems as though stories were passed along no, from th- one generation to another. So he must have been aware of them. 
no, no, no. He but, doesn't but have it, to be aware. The no, mother, whoever the mother is, has to follow him. Oh yeah, and be aware, it, and uh, then tell their children. My, my ex who knocked way, me up and yeah. with whom I'm now like from whom I'm now estranged. Yeah, I, I, you know what? It's likely that he went on to be a time traveler. <laughs> no, but you could. <laughs> I don't know. Is it ever public knowledge? Is a time traveler well, probably it's not? Maybe, maybe that was just the excuse he gave. Yeah. Like, sorry, sorry. I'd love to stay in Maria, but. Another time, time needs calls. me. Yeah. yeah, I'm actually a time soldier. <laughs> that was his equivalent of I'm going out for a pack of cigarettes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then coincidentally, he ended up being a time traveler. Yeah, just a <laughs> massive coincidence. Karma, karma bit him in the arse. <laughs> maybe he's maybe he's got a brother, a really really similar looking brother who was also in the orphanage and who stole the toy Danny and is not caught and is just is a completely Pink. different. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, how weird is it that the toy soldier travels from Rupert Pink slash Danny Pink to Awesome Pink to Clara to the doctor? To the doctor. It's the doctor that really freaks me out. Because wouldn't he have recognised... Exactly. ...when she was in the bedroom lining up the soldiers and talking specifically about this soldier without the gun? And because it, she, how she talks about him, she's sort of yes. referencing the doctor. Doc is in the room. Yeah, he sees that. Wouldn't he have said, hey, hang about, that was the toy that I grew up with, that this weird... Exactly lady dream person gave to me <laughs> yes just after the monster grabbed my foot actually that is a good point because she Remember says this is a dream yeah. very clever people can also have dreams so i don't want to bruise your juvenile doctor ego okay <laughs> that's fine masculinity is so fragile i get it i'm working around it <laughs> but then she gives him the concrete memento of the dream. Yeah. He's going to wake yeah. up and have that. And really remember that dream. Shit, there was a stranger in my room. Yeah. Yeah. Also, there's like a super loud TARDIS dematerialization right there. <laughs> yeah. Also, I woke They're up and I had half a boner over. and then she was gone. And, uh. <laughs> no, he wakes up in a puddle. I swear he wakes up in a puddle. <laughs> <laughs> Is this stable just in the middle of nowhere? It's in the middle of nowhere. Barn. A barn, sorry. Is it is when John Hurt gets there, but the two oh, people... Oh, it might be next to another building. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, because they say, like, oh, we'll leave the door on the latch. You can come inside if you exactly. want. So it's, exactly. It's just the barn that's attached to the house. By the way, I totally misremember this, because in our last New Who review, I said something along the lines of, that guy comes from old money, like Time Lord old money, because he lives in a mansion or something, but he sleeps in a barn. Like, no, I had no, completely no, no. Yeah, misremembered Yeah, but we don't know this. what the house looks like. No, but I totally misremembered uh, the circumstances of but it. The house is basically a, a Time Lord boarding school, yeah. isn't it? And from there yeah. you go to the academy. This is Time Lord Eton or Time Lord... No, but it's but not Time Lord. Actually, this is another... Oh, sorry, sorry, yeah, sorry. Yeah, because he's not. they don't think he's smart enough to be a Time Lord. It's like not all Gallifreyans are good enough to be Time Lords and this, he might have mm, to settle to be in the army. This ties mm. into the thing yeah. that I mentioned that we d encountered in uh, The Deadly Assassin, the yeah. Tom Baker serial. Not all Gallifreyans are Time Lords. Yeah. Time Lords are... They're a particular social stratum of Gallifrey. Yeah, okay, so not all old Etonians are in the cabinet but most of them are <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay I haven't done the maths but yeah alright <laughs> yeah it's interesting because I, I don't know if, if they've mentioned that before in New Who but I think I sort of grew up thinking that it, all Gallifreyans were Time Lords and this I is so clarification that it's not exactly some of the them case. are cats some of them are As we cats. encountered in our audiobook. Are yes. they? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, they used, well, they used to have cats. I did not know that. They had cats on Gallifrey. Okay. Yeah. That um, makes sense. Speaking of Gallifrey, I've got a question about Gallifrey. Can uh, either or both of you please elucidate me as to the rules of going to Gallifrey? Because I thought it like all of it was in a time bubble. <gasps> but is it actually, and I think this episode kind of confirms, so 
I'm thinking out loud here, sorry, but like, is it that all the time post-Time War is in a time bubble, but this time you can go to it? Because they do go to it. They right? do go to it. So... <laughs> oh, that is actually so, a really good point. So, sub-question, if they can go to its past, couldn't they just Bill and Ted it? Mm. They can just go, dudes... If you want to avoid being in a time bubble from exactly this day on, like, mark no, your they calendar. Can't because the time bubble is fixed. Yeah. Oh, shit balls. Yeah. No, the- <laughs> That's the thing. I think it must be that he can't go back and change anything because of the time war is a fixed point. Yeah, but and this was already it- something that was going to have been changed. Yeah, it must be something like... Oh, so them going there would always have happened? Is yeah. That what yeah, 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 because yeah. it has already happened. Otherwise, he wouldn't have this fear of someone grabbing his foot from the bed. Yeah, that is true. Yeah. That is true. But yeah, so it was. I think it's just it's too traumatic for him to go back to a time when all the Gallifreyans are lovely, happy, bubbly people and don't know what's coming, and he and he can't change anything, and so he just avoids. It's not that he can't go there. He can't go to current in his time. Yeah, zone, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Contemporary or any Gallifrey. point post yeah. the episode that we like reviewed just a few episodes. And ago. he doesn't want to go back because it's seeing previous versions of people that he that are now no longer with us or like it must be really sad for him yeah yeah Yeah, it must be absolutely i don't think it's emotional constraints purely i think if he were to step outside what he thought was going to happen at the orphanage there is a possibility of the universe just exploding i think that would happen but surely there must be a little bit of emotion here as well Uh, uh, again marie Marie, cover your ears i don't want to spoil this but you know when the doctor very recently went to you know where and looked out and saw you know what oh no marie's seen that the end of spyfall Oh yeah! Oh, of course, that's spyfall. Sorry, oh, I, I thought. Spyfall. Sorry, I thought yeah. that was after later episodes. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, the the doctor goes to Gallifrey, sees it in ruin, mm. and just goes, "Oh my goodness, that's wait, 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 wait. wait. <laughs> Am I just forgetting it being untime bubbled? Because that is post time war. It's post. No, it's it's still bubbled, isn't it? Isn't it? It's in how, a painting. How, it's in a pocket universe. Yeah. So, so how does the thirteenth doctor go there? Because the the master fucks it up. Yeah, but how? I don't know. Capaldi goes there. We'll get Plenty. There. Yeah. Oh, okay, so I'm just, I'm just forgetting about the step where it's like, oh, you, you know what? The bubble has burst. You're okay. You can go We're there. Not, once you've but located yet. the bubble, you can get into it. They just It was lost for a long time. Right, okay. And he didn't know how to find it. And then once he realized it had been saved and it was in a pocket. And now it's fine. Now he can go Okay, so it. the 13th Doctor hasn't broken any rules in that regard. No. no. Yeah. But I've... Okay, fine. You know what? Fine. Fine, fine, fine. <laughs> We really need to catch up. <laughs> we really do. We really do. <laughs> Sorry, Podcast Land, again. Oh. Can I make a comment about the whole barn scene, though? Uh, another comment about the barn scene, sorry. Yeah. Child actors fake crying. This is why children should not be allowed... Like, okay, listen. Th- Here's the thing. That, that, BBC, that, I bet you somewhere on Shutterstock or in, in one of the myriad stock footage websites, you can find a clip we, of someone who actually was crying. We you will know, add it to our binoculars. We, we will do... I mean, can one of us get a hold of, like, a child? and what, just, just shake yeah. him about? Children, Literally get a hold of him and make him cry. cry constantly. Make just it record cr- Okay, it. fine. Yeah, record it. Let's upload that. Oh, boy, scraped his knee. Let's just record and, it. And all the meta tags will just be real, realistic, yeah. believable. non because crying. this kid, or, I mean, the kid isn't even crying. There's a soundtrack behind it, right? A yeah. sound file of some child crying. Exactly. So, so that's not the kid's fault no. at all. No, it's the fault of the child who was recorded at the time. Because whoever was recorded did not do a very good job. Okay? That person was not traumatized. They should have been traumatized and then recorded. Rest my case. Did you like <laughs> Did you like Danny slash Rupert, little Rupee Pink? He was a good he was child good. actor. He was good. He was good. Yeah. He was good. Remy Goodman played Rupert. 
Oh. He has zero other acting credits on no, IMDb. No, but what, he like, was before really or good. After? Before or after. He was drafted into this episode purely because he, he sounded a like, like a Danny, Danny Pink, Pink and looked like a child Danny oh. Pink. You know what? Is I it mean, related to Danny Pink? All children look alike to me, frankly. So, I mean, they could, they could have cast the same girl who played young, uh, what's her face? Amy Pond. A- Amy Pond. I, I, I would have yeah. still believed it. Yeah. But he was good. He was And he really could well good. have gone on to be an actor, yes. believably. Yeah. He was not annoying. Most of the time, that's the thing, is that what they're really annoying. Remy? Remy Goodman. Remy. That's a that's such a solid celebrity Isn't actor name. I bet it's Biden his time, and when he hits, like, 18, he's going to be really hot, and he's going to get Remy major Good- film parts. Remy Goodman is going to be knee-deep in, in fans. <laughs> <laughs> Remy, get on it. Get back into acting. You already have the name. <laughs> Providing you didn't plump up, you don't even have to work for it. You'll be fine. (laughs) Actually, there's a curious thing. The guy who plays the caretaker, Reg, who, by the way, has also been in Gangs of New York. Oh, really? And played a bank robber in Brum. And in Classic Who, he was in a bunch of uncredited roles in (gasps) Trial of a Time Lord. What? Really? Ark of Infinity, Full Circle, and Nightmare of Eden. He's actually appeared opposite four doctors. What? What? Wait, what's his name? Robert Goodman. <laughs> so are these two related is somehow? Is he Remy Goodman's like grandfather or something? I bet that's uh, excuse me. possibly. Yeah. Great grandfather. Remy Goodman is a time traveller okay. here. <laughs> <laughs> so that's ins- that's incredible. Yeah, that's really that is cool. fantastic. Oh, Mr. Goodman, if you are listening, please come on the show Bravo, and talk so. about your experiences. Yeah. <laughs> Who's I'm, your favorite I'm, doctor? You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna try to get in touch with Find this man. That's incredible. <laughs> Trivia, Drew. Really solid stuff, dude. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> okay, another thing about interacting with children in this uh, episode, the doctor telling a bedtime story, just touching the forehead. Oh, that was good. Hilarious. I like that, yeah. <laughs> and he seems to, he says he sort of implanted a dream. Scram- he said he scrambled the brain and made him, made him think everything was a dream. He made him dream a dream yeah. about being big soldier Dan. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, Dan the soldier man. Good. But that's yeah because this episode with Clara has then turned Danny Pink into a soldier. Exactly, which yeah. then influences her to get them to travel to yeah. Gloucester, which yeah. then influences Danny Pink to oh. be the Exactly. Again, the future influences the past, influence, yeah. influences the future. Mm. It's awesome stuff. Really good stuff. Very oh, good. you know what? Here's something I don't like about Danny Pink. Oh, His no. handshake is just the limpest, most <laughs> flaccid handshake I've ever seen. You know what? Screenshot on whobackwhen.com of the worst, <laughs> most flaccid handshake ever. Oh. Guys, I need to retract my previous statement for which you complimented me so highly. <laughs> oh, what's no. his name? What's his name? The kid's name is actually Remy Gooding. Oh, no. But when he grows up, he'll be Remy Goodman. Yeah, hey, he Remy Gooding is still... I mean, it's re- it's the Remy and the good. Yeah. That's what... Remy Gooding, but you have a solid celebrity actor name. Less likely to be related to... Uh, to the other good the other guy. Yeah, yeah. sure. <laughs> yes, that broke my dream slightly. Sorry. Uh, maybe he changed his surname as a time traveler. He changed his surname to blend in and, yeah. you know, not to attract attention. No. But see, Remy... Your name is Remy. <laughs> Be a celebrity actor, for goodness sake. <laughs> I've never seen you so enthusiastically pro a child actor before. This is fantastic. No, no. Here's what I, here's what I want. I want Remy to train in, in the art of acting I for think, at least a solid 12 years. I think that's what he's doing. That's why then he hasn't been in anything. He, he shall return as no longer a child actor. Good. Cut the child bit from the child actor. Anyway. Why isn't this episode the episode that's called Hide? 
Ooh. Yes. Exactly. No one hid in Hyde. <laughs> exactly. Although no one hid in this one either. Awesome. And in both episodes, uh, Pioneer Time Traveller. Yes. Oh, yes. True. Yes. And, but there wasn't very much listening done in this episode. But people were all ears in Hyde. <laughs> <laughs> no, there was loads of equipment listening. listening all over the place. They should switch titles. They should. The Doctor... Special young, Blu-ray edition. Young Doctor spent the last two minutes, two and a half minutes, just listening to a Clara log. <laughs> mm in fact, he remembered that his whole life and then 1,200 years later wrote it on a chalkboard mm. without even realising he listened that well. But yeah. still, yeah, more hiding. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Did we really get to the bottom of your, you know what, Clara and uh, Pink are wonderful. Well, spiel. that's what I'm just thinking. It's like, uh, so I wanted it to be this, Clara and Danny Pink had this epic love story and when you, you'd said about Amy and Rory being the sort of epitome of this... Like unbreakable couple. Yeah, I but thought I, you were. I mean, that's clearly wrong. Exactly. That's what I thought before but maybe, I saw them again. Maybe Clara and Danny are. Or maybe the universe is putting them together. But now we've just disproved that as well because we don't think that. No, but I think if anything, it proves that they know. could be. I think. That, I think. That, yeah. Maybe. That, I think. I like that line that Orson is their great great grandchild, but in this version of events, never got to happen because they were yeah, sadly taken from us too soon. But I liked going back to Danny, Danny and Clara. I liked mm-hmm. their, we got to see their first date. Their we got to see their first three dates. Awkward and bumbly <laughs> yes, and cute and don't know what to say. And I just thought it was very nice. I like that they trash talk their students, including, yeah. I'm pretty sure, That was the Courtney. one, the girl that went to the moon, That's was the it? Same, yeah. It's like the second or third reference to yeah, Courtney. Yeah. She's Courtney. the one who's got her elbow across the bar yeah. in the yeah, previous one with exactly. the secretary. I bet you did. I bet you did. Yeah, I bet you did. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I liked, I liked their little awkward, n- nervous banter. It felt very real. Yeah, and it was so much better written than all of their interactions to this point. Yeah. I absolutely loved the... Uh, do you want some water? And she's like, don't worry, he'll probably dig for it. Yeah, yeah no. <laughs> Fantastic line. That was great. Fantastic line. Yeah. I thought, I did, yeah, I thought she was very hot on him to make the like soldier killer joke on a first date. It's like, that's never going to go down well. So she thre- she says, oh, like, oh, I wish right. I could kill her about Courtney, I think. And then he, Danny says, yeah, me too. And Clara kind of under her breath goes, yeah, but that means something coming from you. Yeah. That's, that's true. Which is a very harsh thing to say to a soldier. So the, uh, Yeah, that is that is true. Yeah. In the, the first episode that we encounter Danny Pink, yeah. it is alluded, heavily alluded to, I mean, the possibility that maybe he did kill someone yeah. while in service. And yeah. um, I think he, he killed a civilian. Wasn't that the... Oh, yeah. do we find out later on? Maybe? I, I'm pretty sure that's the implication. He's racked with PTSD yeah. and guilt. Oh, I think, yeah, he's PTSD I think that's the first the episode, because I'm sure they ask about, has he ever killed anyone? And he's like, oh, I'm a soldier. And then someone says, have you ever killed anyone who wasn't a soldier? And that's what trips him up. Oh, I forgot so about that. So I think that. from yeah, word yeah. go, we know that that's a really touchy subject. And Bloody Fleming. Yeah. So do you think that maybe Clara... I mean, this is just... I don't think this is mean in any way. I think it's just sort of dumb or oblivious on her part. Do you think she's... I think it's just like she's making a kind of a, a joke at, she about know. being soldiers. Yeah. I don't think she knows that he has such experiences. In her mind, he hasn't got such experiences. I yeah. think she wouldn't be that I like callous. to think she wouldn't be that callous if she knew how traumatized he was yeah. by it. Yeah. And yeah. then once she realizes later on she's all apologies and he's yeah. all apologies, then it's fine. Yeah, mm. and they move past it and it's okay. Yeah. 
Yeah. And then I liked when he like slams his head down on the table and dis- is distraught. That yeah. was nice. Yeah. And, and Clara um, bangs her head on the back of the door as well. Oh, she does. Right at the beginning oh. of the episode. Yeah. And then, yeah. Yes. And you just see him sat in that restaurant and he's, you know, he's going to be all sad and embarrassed and he's got to go home alone. And then, then when she does the time jiggery thing and she just walks in like 30 seconds later, it's like, yes, you get another go. You both walked away from this date wishing you'd done things differently. And now we get to d- get to start over and do things differently. That was really nice. But she does that twice, though. Like, she comes back. Like, oh, you know what? Reboot. Don't worry about it. Second chance. Messes it up again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. There's weird space guys no one walking the rest- towards No one her. in the restaurant goes, like- uh, an astronaut <laughs> just exited the kitchen. I know. And I look like she just storms <laughs> away into the kitchen and is like wandering around like she owns the place. And nobody, none of the chefs are like, um, you shouldn't really be in here. This is, <laughs> yeah. know, this is really not backstage. hygienic. Those, those yeah. don't look like clean wellies. No. <laughs> yeah. This is not immersive theatre. What the fuck are you doing here? <laughs> Such a good reveal, though, when she goes, like, oh, how are you possibly going to make this any crazier yeah. or whatever it is she says? And he takes off the helmet. And, and then it's, it's Danny. Bloody... And you think it's Danny. And then it turns out not to be Danny. Yeah, it's like yeah. two yeah. levels of weird. Yeah. Do you think that Awesome Pink saw Danny's face at that date? No, because ha- she was facing him, which is why she saw him. Danny didn't hit Danny. Because I kept thinking to... Danny is, he's quite, I'm sure there's some reflex on his part that just goes, I need to put my forehead on a wooden surface. <laughs> because <laughs> he's sort of leaning diagonally forwards and I wondered like, oh, could he maybe he sees the face maybe he sees the face can yeah. he recognise him and it's go, all like, those oh, months under mortifying hit the deck <laughs> actually now that I, you know how it all turns out so doctor says oh we're going to take you we're going to take you on a test drive look I've taken you back to civilization, and he's there in his spacesuit, and he's clearly on earth and with why is he people. wearing his helmet why does he go back in to the TARDIS why isn't he like finally I'm here I'm alive and there's people again and I'm not at the end of the universe surrounded by monsters that's that's true but that's like 300 years in advance he's there 300 years too soon and he wants to see his family and he wants to because what is he going to do he's going to he's now materialized like maybe it's not 300 years maybe it's like 150 years or whatever it is about 100 100 years yeah Yeah. 300 how many generations am I thinking of (laughs) so fine 100 years He's not going to know anyone. He doesn't have a national insurance number. He doesn't know what to do. Like he, yeah. he doesn't have a job. He doesn't have a home. He has nothing. Just think if you hadn't seen people for six months or civilization or a restaurant, wouldn't you take your helmet off and like sit and have a beer? <laughs> I would totally yeah, go to the bar. Yeah, he would absolutely take off his helmet. Yeah, like, this is clearly a breathable atmosphere. These are all humans. Presumably the doctors told him some fib. Yeah. The doctor must have gone like, you need to keep the helmet on or possibly because of temporal uh, pressure difference, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. your head will explode. <laughs> this is immersive theatre. Exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Differentials is the word I'm looking for. Yeah. Oh yeah, temperature differentials. There's another explanation. Mm. If Clara sees Awesome Pink, she's going to just be open-mouthed, gaping in the direction. Danny Pink's going to turn around and probably dissolve. Yeah. Wouldn't it have been easier for the TARDIS doors to open, the doctor to come yeah. out and just go, hey, Clara, that, in here. Oh, that's here. what I'm saying. Why did he Why did he bother sending Orson For out? the reveal, the <laughs> theatricality. Oh, can you make it any more surreal? Yes, I can. <laughs> I, enjoy, like, I really enjoyed it. It was a very good scene. Me too. <laughs> it's just if you stop and think about it, it makes no sense. Why does he need Clara for the experiment at the end of time? Is it just because he likes Clara and he cares about her and he wants her company? Yeah. yeah. I like that, actually. I think you know it I like is. That. Yeah, he needs someone with him. 
And he doesn't know this awesome guy. Yeah, that's true. And he doesn't yeah. really understand dates either. It's yeah. like, yeah, fuck it, I'll just... She's having dinner. She's eating. She's ingesting food with someone. Yeah, she can ingest it over yeah. here. Yeah. I like that he hides in a bedroom in case it goes badly. Yeah, no! <laughs> <laughs> right. Can I say a couple of nice lines? Okay. Please do. That you might have liked as well. Oh, my goodness. The deep and lovely dark. Without it, we couldn't see the stars. Oh, oh that's so poetic. Yeah, that's a good yes, line. And then there's... um. There's another way of looking at the end of the universe. That's a hell of a lot of ghosts. Oh, isn't it? Oh, it's tingly. It tickles <laughs> the back of my heart. <laughs> mm. This is incredibly well written. As episodes go, it's really well written. Yeah, yes. I remember actually from the time, I don't know whether I read this or heard this from somewhere or whether Moffat was just parroting the phrase in all the promotional materials. But he said about how he wanted to knuckle down by himself and see if he could write another chamber piece so he was like yeah i'm gonna get back in the kitchen cabinet all by myself and uh, knock out a late period classic see if mm. i can do it i think it's a really good <laughs> knock out a late period classic. <laughs> he was halfway through and then he realized wait i gotta write an episode oh. <laughs> but it's it is one of those standout episodes that i remembered i think i remembered the scene with the doctor and the barn at the end being a bigger part of it than it actually is yeah, yeah. me too, me too. halfway through the episode i was like how do we get from here to there yeah because it felt like it was nearly over and i was like is this gonna be a two-parter and then suddenly <laughs> it's just the last few minutes but yeah it's it, it does stick with you it's a very tense and creepy episode um but it's also really fu- it's really light-hearted and funny in places as well and the doc and clara's banter and them kind of ribbing each other and yeah it's it's very nice I like one of the lines I wrote down was I thought it was a bit of a like Harry Potter callback. Oh. So when Clara's running out of the restaurant and then they arrive and she sees her walking away and she says, oh, is that what I look like from the back? Which is there's a line in Harry Potter, which always really, really angers me. It's from the films. And Hermione says, oh, is that what my hair looks like from the back? And it's this awful like, you know, they're about to save the world. And she's just turned into this prissy little girl yeah. who cares about her hair. And that's not her character at all and i thought clara was doing that and then um doc's like oh no you look fine and she turns around and goes fine like i look better than fine i look amazing or something and i was like yes good for you <laughs> like women on tv are not often allowed to say that they look good you're always supposed to be really like shy and embarrassed and like demure and oh no you stop it i don't i look terrible and so it's nice to see her embracing like she does look hot and why not yeah Appreciate it. A hundred percent. Yeah. Have some confidence. Exactly. Show it. Yeah. Want it. She she earns it. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, the saddest part is that moaning Myrtle from the back in the Doctor Who universe is just a sl- <laughs> Yeah, she's just the pavement. Yeah. Just- oh, <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> um there was a line I wrote down when they arrive at the end of the universe. Uh-huh. And Doctor says this is the silence at the end of time. And I wondered whether that was like a callback to oh, the silence. all those years we were banging on about the silence before. <laughs> oh, yeah. But is this finally <laughs> The perfect silence? hiders. Yeah. Who you forget about. Yeah. Yeah. Who were also perfect, adapted perfectly to hide. Yeah. They are much better adapted to hiding yeah, than the, these dudes. Yeah, absolutely. Hmm. That's a good point. Mm. The orphanage as well really reminded me. I don't know if it's the same place or not, but they, they were in an orphanage once with the silence and Amy was drawing numbers on her face. <gasps> I, and the yeah, the lines on their arms yeah. and yeah, stuff. Yeah, 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 exactly. yeah. yeah. That's such a creepy yeah. episode. Okay, how Dark of the moon. Ooh. No, yes, that's the one, exactly. Oh, and they keep looking at their arms and they have more lines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you're just covered in it. It's fantastic. Moff, you 
fiendish genius. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so how do you feel about this one compared to Blink? Because Blink is the other Moffat's... Chamber pot. Exactly. Mm. Both of them, apparently, this is again trivia online, but both of them heavily influenced by... I didn't realize he wrote these, but short stories written by Moffat. Oh, really? Uh, and I mean, they, they both they introduce a either a new alien or a potential hypothetical new alien... They're both very creepy. They're both little chamber pieces. Yeah. They're both v- super moffers. And they're, they're both also that thing that we all have in common. Turns out it's mega scary. And it's everywhere and you can't possibly exactly. hide from. How, how do they from. compare yeah. to you? Well, this one's definitely more doc heavy. I remember, that's the thing about Blink is that the doctor's hardly in it. That's a good point. And yeah. so the thing you remember from Blink is, um, oh, what's her name? Sally Sparrow. Sparrow. Jinx. Drew. It's okay. <laughs> what's, the, what's the actress's name? I forget. Kerry Mulligan. Kerry Mulligan. She's so good. You win, you win. And like, and uh, anyway, yeah, so that, I feel like that was such a good episode, but almost doesn't feel like a Doctor Who episode because it's, it's all about her story. Yeah, that's, that, um, that's yeah, it's an true. Outer Limits episode. Yeah. It is, yeah. But it also. Oh, that's such a good reference. <laughs> yes. That's a perfect comparison. It's an eerie Indiana episode. Yeah. It's something I don't know. Oh, <laughs> Watch oh, it. Love it. It's Watch so it. Good. It is great. I do not get this reference. You I'll lend you the DVDs. <laughs> no, I'll lend oh, you yeah. the DVDs. No, I'm Spartacus. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, but Blink also deals with like time travel across multiple generations as well. But yes, kind of the long way around. Yes, you're right. And things. Yeah, they, they have a lot in common, actually. Possibly this short story collection of Moffat's is a little <laughs> monotonous, but <laughs> oh, <laughs> <same-y>. <laughs> a little tiny samey. <laughs> oh, but no, this is... This is a really good episode. I may not say it's quite as good as Blink, but I'm going to give it a pretty high rating. Yeah, me too. I already rated this before you guys came over. That rating is rising in the back of my Really? Really? This conversation... the hairs on the back of your neck. This conversation is doing nothing but boost that rating. So should I tell you something? When when I walked in and you were mocking me about giving it a five... Were you going to give it a five? Well, what I I actually said to Jim before we left is, I'm walking in there with a five and I'll see what you guys pull out as like negatives to pull (laughs) it down. Because after I finished watching it, I was like, there's nothing bad about this episode. I've got nothing bad to say. (laughs) It's just a great episode. (laughs) It's the best that I Clara's best. (laughs) Yeah. Clara's in it. That's it. (laughs) End of review. Yeah. (laughs) A 5.0 line is definitely Capaldi going, perhaps I've never travelled alone. Oh, I've never been travelling alone. It's like, whoa. (laughs) Is this in the beginning? This is the opening scene, is it? Yeah, where Clara's all sceptical and he's like, oh, Oh, so wait, so Clara is there. Oh, yes, you're right. This is after Clara arrives. But before Clara arrives, he is talking to himself. We don't get him talking to himself very often. No. Almost talking to us. He's talking to the audience. He's lecturing to the audience. Yeah, that's what I, that's what I felt like. It does feel like a lecture. Mm. And especially when he gets his chalkboard out as well. And um, That's true. Very teachery. Do you know, and as soon as he puts the chalk down on the book, you absolutely 100% know it's not going to be there when he looks back. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, like, no, there's that, no reveal that's there. Chekhov's chalk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, I wasn't sure about the opening scene, to be fair. It just, it felt like it was setting up... The opening like, scene almost like feels like an odd piece. Yeah, it's like it's setting up this ghost story. It's not, an, it's, it doesn't feel very, like a Doctor Who intro. You know what? I, I, oh, I didn't think about it at the time. But do you, do you guys remember that weird pair of teasers for I can't remember which it might be the Asylum episode. It's Matt Smith and Amy respectively talking to the camera. Yeah. Mm. 
There are two teasers. Yeah. yeah. Or two pre maybe they counted as prequels in some weird way. But it feels a little bit like that. Like that. Very yeah. rarely. I can only think of one time when the Doctor talks to himself in Classic Who that we've come across so far. Yeah. That's Tom Baker. But it's because he's not talking to camera. I don't think he ever like no. But here wall, he is. Here he might as well be talking to he's us. He's talking. Yeah, to but us. he isn't. Yeah. It's a very important distinction yeah. that he isn't because if he were, then I would be knocking points off. Yeah, left me too. And right. Me too. No, that's true. I mean, he's he's sort of talking to this hypothetical audience that he is obsessed with, yeah. right? In yeah. fact, there was one point where he, he looked, it's so close to him looking at the camera, but his eye line is, ju- is like fractioned off. Oh. Like, okay, okay, I'll let you off for that. <laughs> nice. Yeah. yeah. It, it reminds me, the breaking the fourth wall thing of uh, the whisper men will look at you and <laughs> he doesn't do that. Yeah. He has his own rhyme and I gotta say, Moffat's rhymes are getting better. <laughs> oh. They didn't, automatically re- amounts a subtraction Good. in this nice. episode. Yeah. So well done, Moff. You're getting there. <laughs> so yeah, much better this time. Mm. Is this the nursery rhyme at the end? Yeah. Yeah, mm. something like they'll all come a slithering out from under the bed. <laughs> I actually quite liked it. I liked it too. Yeah. I thought it was really good. Especially when it when he recites the final rhyme in the future. Yeah. End of end of time, that era. Yeah. We get the cloister bell tolling again. Oh, y- yes. Is that not being overused by this point? I seem to remember RTD being much more sparing with it. I, Whereas Moffat is like, you know what? You know what would really be the cherry on the cake? The icing on your cock? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> A bit of cloister bell. <laughs> the icing on your cock. I thought it was just me. <laughs> <laughs> no, dude, we both had the same dream. Oh, that's the dream that everyone's had. <laughs> You're on the Great British Bake Off and you have icing on your cock. <laughs> this is embarrassing. I wish my imaginary friend were here to creep out from the shadows and dispose of it somehow. <laughs> It's interesting that you bring up that sound effect because one of the uh, um, unchecked boxes in my uh, notes is, I know there's the famous TARDIS door opening sound effect, but is there really only one TARDIS door opening sound effect? Because we hear it like 12 times in this episode. (laughs) Yes. And there's only one kid crying in the sock footage. (laughs) In the sound library. I mean, that... that BBC, we will get you a sound effect. It's only, you know what? Perpetual use, 70 grand. It's yours. It's yours. <laughs> Very reasonable. It's yours for 70 grand. You can use it as often as you like. Obviously, you'll credit who back when. <laughs> In the meantime, we'll traumatize the child and record it. <laughs> but it, it was so annoying the way it was just the same two seconds of... <laughs> I know this is a podcast and podcasts are free, uh, BBC, but you can't use that recording. <laughs> This is grown men crying. It's very different. (laughs) (laughs) That's another 70 grand, BBC. (laughs) That was maybe a 40 grand one. The kid crying is clearly worth more. (laughs) They they need that more. (laughs) Shall we uh, rate this bad boy? Let's. Let's. (laughs) And now it is time to rate this. Did we laugh or hate this? Bing bong, bing bong. Hey, la, 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 la. Ratings. This is actually a fantastic episode. 
I think Moffat was right to get back in the Lazy Susan and crack another classic out. The lines in the restaurant bristle with wit and purpose. It moves the dynamic between Clara and Danny smoothly along so much better than the series opener. And it's just one of a series of quotable apothems and aphorisms and maxims scattered liberally throughout. And unlike Spyfall Part 2, I didn't feel the whiplash. This episode zoomed in time backwards and forwards all around the universe. It found innovative ways to be exciting unless someone has frigged off the TARDIS in Classic Who. The atmosphere is bang on and Capaldi rises to it magnificently, injecting a dark intensity and snarling sense of pursuit in it. You can tell from this that when he took the job, he was relishing the idea of terrifying kids, just like he'd been (laughs) scared behind the sofa in the 70s. That's so true. The string of alternative explanations Moffat gives for these things not existing is so clever. To write a series of real-world, logical, more scientific and rational, but also slightly banal causes for everything we see is so clever because it's there all along, but we don't want to believe that's what's going on. So this episode also makes a great job of examining the attraction the outlandish and the mythical has for us. And at the end of the day, the lesson of the episode is, listen, there's actually nothing there. But you want something to be there. It, it just shines a light on that whole phenomenon. Now, some of that hope for a, an alien that we never see is, is a hope that the show will take us to new places, that some new creature will be provided with its place established throughout the entire universe somehow, enriching the show and marking a great intellectual feat on the part of the writer. So I would conjecture that disappointment that that didn't happen isn't necessarily allying oneself with the infantile, the senile, and the pudding brains in between. But I concede that the cleverness of the conceit, as constructed, means I have to set any sense of anticlimax aside. Samuel Anderson did well in two roles. Clara was very strong. Capaldi was a thrill to watch as he went on the hunt. Hear me now, 4.7. 4.7 from Drew. Well done, Drew. That's a good old rating. Can I jump in now? If you want to, sure. I do want to jump in now. All right, go for it. I agree wholeheartedly with most of what you said. Apart from, I think there is something in the dark. <laughs> I do, I do, and I think, and I don't think it's disappointing that they didn't give you an alien and and set it down and tell you what its purpose was and and where it is in the universe and how it's going to die and how it's going to be defeated or banished or whatever. I like the fact that it's left open. So there's just this. There's a rational explanation if you want to believe it, but there's this little nugget of maybe there is something there, and the Doctor doesn't know that there is or there isn't he sort of trusts clara at the end she's the one who's telling him there isn't anything i know why because she knows that she was the one who grabbed his foot but she has not told him that she will never tell him that because she i don't know why she doesn't tell him that i don't know crossing time streams whatever but it shows this development in their relationship that he trusts her so he there's a point where he says to her you get in the tardis like I'm giving you an order, a command, you will obey it. And then she does the opposite to him. She tells him, no, I'm not, we will leave now. You will not walk out that door. I'm telling you. Do as you're told. Exactly. And the fact that he does, I think is wonderful that he does have this trust in her. And it's just, they've just put up this wonderful relationship. And yeah, but anyway, but no, but th- yeah. So I think, I think there is something in the dark, but I think it's lovely that it hasn't been quantified. It's still this little nugget of something that, in the corner of your eye or or 
you know, all children are afraid of the dark and the, and the, the, we don't get a definitive answer either way. It's left open to interpretation. And I think that's quite nice. Yeah, I think Clara and Danny are on top form and I like their banter together. Not banter. I don't know what it is. Flirting. Repartee. Repartee. They had a very, they had a very saucy kiss at the end. <laughs> Did you actually do? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Bloody where are you out of my life? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see it. <laughs> that's right, that's right. You know my eyesight isn't that good. Oh, no. <laughs> Wait till you see my rating. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh. But what, wasn't this, their kiss at the end was the most sort of um, seductive kind of romantic kiss that we've seen between two companions. Yeah, I don't know what I'm afraid of. I'll show you. I know. That oh. was, oh, shivers. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's put a pin on that because I have a, a comment that I want to make. Okay. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Okay. Go for it, go for it. No, that's it, really. Um, yeah, I really, really super enjoyed it. You've made me question it, Leon, because you've now compared it to Blink. Oh, oh, sorry, I didn't um, mean to. No, 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 it's just, but it's an interesting um, comparison, because I'd, I'd still think that Blink stands in my head as one of these, like, seminal kind of Doctor Who episodes that nothing has ever come close to, even though I actually have rated things higher than it, it previously. Um, <laughs> like anything with Clara. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, I, but I think generally it's things that are as good an episode, but also advance the kind of Doctor Who, like, overarching mm. storyline, whereas this doesn't. Um, yeah, it does. It sets up Clara and Danny. Well, it does. All right. Oh, it does, Drew. Okay, fine. All right. It fits so well into the series arc. You didn't even notice. Okay. I didn't. Right, Drew, you've won me over. I'm 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 joining you up there. We're doing a four point seven. Four point seven, you say? I do. Excellent <laughs> rating. That, that, that's a very good rating. I love how utterly convinced you, Drew, are that there is no alien. How incredibly convinced you are, Marie, that there is an alien. Because in the room, I, I find myself as the agnostic because I, I, I love the fact that I mean, it, I could, <laughs> it could go either way. And I, I think oh, that, oh, 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 well, Can I just say, I had a thought while Marie was giving her rating of, I didn't understand what the significance of the doctor underlining listen on the blackboard was at the very end. Oh, oh yeah. Looking at it with voice. satisfaction. You could take that either way as well. You could either say this is him underlining the mystery is solved or this is him writing it back on the blackboard to or contemplate <laughs> it some more for a moment there i also thought that he's he's underlining it and then analyzing his chalk underlining and the word listening going like yeah i did write listen didn't i it was me <laughs> <laughs> I oh. could believe any any one of those interpretations. Oh, and also returning to that pin that I dropped during your oh, mini, yeah. I apologise for interrupting you, Marie. So their date, from her point of view, so much energy and oomph has been leading up to this kiss at the end, and it's epic. It is an epic smooch. Yeah. But from his point of view, she is a straight-up psycho. Because, <laughs> <laughs> because she has been mean to him, she has like taunted him, she's left twice come back twice and then just started making out and, uh, and super stalked him as well because i get the feeling when she calls him rupert yeah he hasn't like, used that name in decades yeah, psycho horse beast yeah what, what the shit like did you did you look up my record like, like, nobody like, at the school knows yeah. me by this name where the heck did that come from but she hasn't fired a single mortar at him <laughs> Oh, dude. <laughs> it's, after being on a couple of tours, your standards lower slightly. Oh. <laughs> anyway, so <laughs> I'll be very, very brief, but this is a 
hair-raising chamber piece in much the same way, frankly, as Blink, but for different reasons. Yeah. You pointed out super rightly, this is a mega Doctor-heavy episode. Blink, a incredibly Doctor- we must have talked about this in our Blink review, very Doctor Light episode, but they touch upon, like, they, they tweak the same nerve endings for me. There's tons of temporal or intertemporal fun in this episode. I, I mentioned every time that happens in Doctor Who, I love it. Time travel is a part of this. I love the past influencing the future, then swinging back around, influencing the past. It's crazy fun. Doc is at some of his Docish best. His one-liners, his repartee <laughs> with Clara is sometimes mouth-wateringly good. It is so razor sharp at times and he's oblivious to how razor sharp it is he's to him he's just being himself and clara is just has maybe smudged her makeup or <laughs> or has a wide face and it's just it's kind of fun bravo moffat and your devilish cerebrum the time travel probably doesn't make any sense or at times at least makes no sense and i did at, when i thought of my rating i did think Maybe the Clara Pink lineage doesn't quite line up, that maybe there's a problem, but you guys have absolutely swung me around. I think it works out. I feel bad for awesome slash awesome Pink never having traveled around, even being born, but because he was a great character with a lot of potential. But I think that works within the logic of the of the show. Even if it didn't, I wouldn't care because this is so well written. It is at times really thought-provoking. I've had a fantastic evening with you guys talking about this. Actually, you know what? Most of all, this episode really built character. I now know the pinks. <laughs> and, I, <laughs> and I know Clara better. And I feel like Clara's and the Doctor's relationship really grew from this as well. It had ambience and dagnabbit. I had a fantastic time watching this twice in as many weeks. So what's the rating that I've written down, Drew, for this it's 4.7. It's no 4.7. <laughs> Holy moly. Is that the first time that's ever happened? I think never before have we been in such perfect rating alignments. Wow. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> quick, take a selfie, take a selfie. <laughs> I'm just showing you. This is what I wrote. Yeah. Hours ago, 4.7. 4.7, this is great. I started off with a 4.5, by the way. Before you guys arrived, mm. I had 4.5 written down. I'm not full of shit. Here's a oh. selfie. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we have a listen to Podcast Lands? Oh, I really, really hope they like it as much as we oh, do. No. I hope there are two more 4.7s coming. <laughs> <laughs> Listener minis. Now let's hear from Podcast Lands. Max 250, or it would get out of hand. Welcome to the Listener Mini part of this wonderful podcast episode. We if you do say so yourself. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I'm drunk enough to say so myself. It is, it is wonderful. Yes. Well described, Leon. I'm having a wonderful time, Maria. Are you having a wonderful I'm, time? I'm having such a wonderful time. My goodness, I am cherry liqueured up to the hilt. <laughs> Thank you, Doctor in Waiting. <laughs> Thank you so much. Right, we have two Listener Minis, and uh, we're going to do them in chronological order. I, uh, by the way, I should probably say apologies, Podcast Land, because I announced that we're doing a classic this week and this episode <gasps> next week and then I changed it on the website with very short notice so that might be it so I, I apologize but anyway so we have two and starting off first one out of the gate this one comes from Star Wars 2 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 see you got two verses there Star Wars Hill <laughs> hi Star Wars Hill hi Star Wars Hill hi Star Wars Hill love you Star Wars Hill <laughs> Star Wars Hill begins I think I liked it. Oh. You did, Star Wars. So you did like it. I know you did. Yeah. We all liked it. Though I'm glad I didn't watch it in the evening. Mm. That's it. That end of review. That's not true. <laughs> okay. Star Wars <laughs> continues. 
with a rating of 4.0 out of 5 creepy episodes because this TV show occasionally pulls out disturbing imagery like the bed cover monster and kills it in the alarming department. Also, sad little doctor heartbreak. Though, damn, Clara, why would you grab his ankle as your first reflex? Yeah, yeah, that is not what you would do. Because you had to stop him from meeting the old man, Doctor, because the universe might explode. Oh, that is it, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Had to keep him in the bedroom. Exactly. Or the barn. How else do you keep the boy in the barn? I don't know. No, you're right. Actually, that is it, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, you know, you go, Star Wars Hill. That's why. Do you want to up your rating now, Star Wars Hill? (laughs) Join us. (laughs) Maybe at 0.7. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. it's worth that. (laughs) A very mini, mini Star Wars Hill. Thank you so much for sending that in. People who are not Star Wars Sill, Fred, you can say hello to Star Wars Sill online and tell Star Wars Sill whether or not you agree with this rating. Star Wars Hill can be found at Star Wars Sill. Star Wars Sill, Star Wars Sill. You figure it out. (laughs) (laughs) Type it. Stop typing at some point. It'll autocomplete, probably. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you very much, Star Wars Sill. Next up, we've got Michael Ridgeway. Ridgeway. Sorry, neighbours. Hello, Michael. That's the most enthusiastic we've ever done on Ridgeway. Yeah. (laughs) Because we love you, Michael. Love you, Michael. (laughs) Michael begins with some likes. God, you're so big, Michael. (laughs) Michael's first big like is the doctor driven bonkers with obsession. (laughs) Michael also likes Clara's timey-wimey dating disasters. Mm. (laughs) As well as that duvet scene. (gasps) Mm -mm. But Michael has three rather longer beefs. First of which is, hey, Gallifrey is time-locked. Stop breaking your own rules. Ah, but what I think maybe we established... Did we figure this we out? We covered that, Michael. We kind of, well, Listen we to the review. We I'm not sure we it. were right. <laughs> oh. <laughs> we definitely talked about it, but I mean, to me, it's still a question mark, frankly. Mm. Could this yeah. have been written before... No, it wouldn't have been. He would have fixed it. He would have fixed it. Yeah. It must make sense. It must make must sense. Yeah, I think it must. Must it? Yeah. It's a big flaw in the logic if it doesn't make sense. Yeah, it's worth about a 0.3 of a flaw. <laughs> <laughs> I know where you're coming from, Michael. Michael, second. <laughs> I, I wasn't prepared for it. <laughs> Sorry, guys. An unsatisfactory resolution? Question mark. Did Clara grabbing Mini Doctor's ankle create Big Doctor's obsession in the first place? Perhaps Clara is responsible for grabbing everybody's ankles as some kind of weird hobby. <laughs> that was one of my theories. <laughs> <laughs> She's just hiding under all the beds <laughs> in the universe. Because if this is there's infinite infinite Claras just popping about there. If this is the dream that we're all meant to have had at some point, yeah. then yeah, then Clara's underneath everyone's bed at least once. And it's she, like Spider-Man; everyone gets one. She has been split off into infinite parts, and once she saves the Doctor, then she doesn't have much to do. That's a- Freaking waste of Clara's, isn't it? It is a waste of Clara's, yeah. <laughs> Next. Do we think there were ever any creatures under the bed slash outside the spaceship? Is it meant to be scary for their arms? And the future is pure nothingness. The seventh doctor would have gotten to the bottom of this mystery. He would have confronted the duvet creature, manipulated its race into revealing themselves to all humanity, and humanity would have clobbered them with baseball bats. Wait a minute, this is just silence all over again. Yeah. (laughs) Or, if it turned out to be a little kid pissing around, he would have given them a very stern telling off. (laughs) And then they would have cried realistically. (laughs) And they could have used that. (laughs) Uh, 
Michael follows up with some trivia. The creature makes a guest appearance in CBB's Bing episode, Birthday. Hey, he's even included a screenshot of... Yeah, that, that, that checks out. <laughs> Are you going to be able to put that on the website? Maybe. Maybe head over maybe. to whobackwhen.com and maybe see it. Michael adds, in summary, it's good to be afraid, be very afraid. And Michael gives it a rating of 3.7 out of 5 pairs of spare underwear you'll need if watching this episode under the following circumstances. Alone, under a bed, in a deserted mansion, during a thunderstorm, and then someone sits on the bed. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Michael, I think... I speak for all of us when I say, what an excellent rating. Uh, yeah, you're just 1.0 short of a perfect one. <laughs> well, and, and mini, I meant yeah. to say. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, that is, a, that is a wonderful mini, as always. Thank you so much, Michael. Bing bong. People of Podcast Land who happen to not be Michael Ridgway, please do high-five Michael Ridgway online. Michael can be found at bad... Underscore. Movie. Underscore. Club. And we're done with the underscores. Bing bong. <laughs> And may I add, so big, just so big. (laughs) (laughs) Right, so I think that pretty much concludes this uh, episode. What have we got coming up next? First, a classic. I think it's a classic next. Mm, It's a chord, Leon. I'm going to be doing that one with Jim. It's called Underworld. After that, we're back with Capaldi in... Time Heist. Which I remember to be fantastic. Which looks amazing. The little intro thing after the... It's not as good as this one. No, sure? it's, it's definitely not going to be as good as this Are one. Sure? What is going to be as good as this one? But it, I remember it starting off with the, the memory worm. He's like, oh, what's this? <gasps> oh, I love the memory worm. Oh, he picks worm. up the phone and then yeah. he screams and he's holding the worm. <laughs> That's oh, it's such it a good, good episode. episode. I remember it being... Be optimistic, Drew. But I also remember it ending in the most cheesy fashion. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get to that. Is yeah, it basically Ocean's Eleven with time travel? Yeah, sort of. Yeah. And uh, the time worms. Minotaur that... Uh, eats memories or something some, I can't remember really anyway we'll get to it okay. and our next audio which I want to do pretty soon me too the book of Kells super duper looking forward to it because there is a mystery there that we want to see solved and here solved indeed yes absolutely <laughs> if you haven't listened to our review of what was it called again Nevermore <laughs> that's the one then I mean please do I had a blast recording that one mm. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Drew not so convinced <laughs> Make up your minds for yourselves, dear podcast land. Have a listen. Give us a rating. In the meantime, you can say hello to us online. Marie, you are somehow involved in social media of one kind or another. Are no, you not? no, no social media. Drew, do you not people. follow her on, on Im- Instagram? I was going to say Imagegram. <laughs> you know, on the image posting <laughs> website. Yes, you know, the Weber images. That one where you put your photos. Oh, you know, the image webbers. <laughs> like three ingredients no space yeah yeah it's like just think of like your three favorite foods and smush them all together already carbonara sorbet (laughs) (laughs) that's it those are the only two foods he eats champagne martinis (laughs) carbonara sorbet martinis Uh, I beg to differ. It's got some olives in it. <laughs> oh, that's very true. <laughs> it's, it's, you, you're eating two to three olives in a sauce. <laughs> <laughs> that's a martini. Fine. You know what? It's okay. Drew, you're on the tweeters, I believe. I am, at Drew McWen. Excellent branding. <laughs> me, not so much in the branding department, but you can say hello to me at Ponkin. I'll say hello right back to you. Thank you so much for listening. You've been a lovely audience. Until the next time, rock on and cha-chao. Bye-bye. Toodles. <laughs> <laughs>
see. Uh... I was wondering which one you were going to do. That. <laughs> Wait, do I do both of them? Uh, no, Jim. Uh, Jim uh, is see ya. Uh, you know that guy you hang around with sometimes? See ya. <laughs> I remember now. <laughs> Go yeah. to Paris with on the odd occasion. Good guy. Good guy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Solid chap. <laughs> Still so <recording>. big. <laughs> Kablamo! Did you enjoy the show? Then please do what the cosmos compels you to and spread the gospel of who back when. Tell your friends! But I've got no friends! No problemo, tell some strangers! Hey! Like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash who back when. All in one word. Are you into Twitter? Awesome! High five us online and we'll high five you right back. You guessed it, we're at who back when. All in one word. Check us out on Instagram for behind the scenes photos and other Whovian goodness. Watch our videos or even listen to our podcast on YouTube. That's whobackwhen.com slash YouTube. Vote us up on Reddit, listen to us on Stitcher and head on over to our website whobackwhen.com where you can submit a review of your own, browse the article archives and peruse our visual index of aliens, monsters and more which increases in Kablamos with every episode. And lastly, give us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps our show get noticed and earns you lots of karma points. That's it. Rock on and be rad and excellent to each other. Catch your earballs in our next Who review or bonus episode. Until then, ciao. Who back when?